This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. Oh, they took him! Now, your host, Kyle Yeomans. Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios, we have a PSA announcement for every draft nerd that continues to listen to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is officially draft month. As April is here, it's a Thursday edition of the draft show here on DallasCowboys.com. As always, presented by Miller Lite. We're so glad you've been along with us throughout the ride. This is crazy. This is episode number 32 since we started this journey back in December. So it's been quite some time together, and we're mixing and matching the crews. We've got David Hellman in studio here at the SWBC Mortgage Studios, and we've got KT and Bucky Brooks on for the same show for the first time this year. But, gentlemen, we all just kind of have to look at Bucky Brooks' background and say he wins because, I mean, goodness gracious, he's got the the bookshelves, he's got everything working. <laughs> it, I know it's draft month, Bucky, but it's it's not that serious to where you have to go from your, your, your background to that. I mean, you don't have to outdo us like that. I mean, uh, a little moonlighting, so here at NFL uh, Media Studios. And so, yeah, I got a nice backdrop. It looks like my home office is all of a sudden a new decor. KT, you, you're trying to keep up, I think, at, at this point, right? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's pretty wild. I'm, I'm kind of tripping out because I always see Bucky on TV, like, all the time. Like, I was like, oh, all right, I had to do a show with Bucky this week. This is, this is awesome. But Bucky's, like, always, like, Bucky might be on TV behind me right now. Like, he's always That's a good bet. doing something. And then, Pretty incredible. Of and course. And then, you know, Dave, uh, uh, like, I, I saw Kyle. Kyle, you were doing play-by-play of a UNT basketball game in the <laughs> Conference USA tournament. I was like, look at all these people I work with who are doing cool things. And then I'm then just there's, despair. Then there's me. No, no, I'm, I'm with you, man. <laughs> I'm just alternating between the studio and my couch. That's I'm laughing at Kyle because he's like, yeah, it's it's draft month. It's getting close, and I'm like, we got to do this for another month. Yep. Like I'm, I mean, I love the draft. Don't mistake me, but like I'm reaching that point in the process where you know we've been talking about this since before New Year's. Yeah. And now like. Everybody else is jumping into the into the pool, like all the the casuals, if you will, the, the casuals. Now, you know, free agency's over, and everybody's got a take now. And I'm just like, I don't want to hear it from y'all. Yeah. Like, leave the draft to the draft people, and y'all go worry about something else. See, and, and that's the fun part the about casuals. it is because most of the listen listeners to this show have been with us since December. Oh, I'm not talking to you if you're listening oh, to the yeah. draft show. I'm, if you're listening to the draft show, you're good. I'm talking to like you. You know, like we just every, national TV is just at all these pro days. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, my Twitter timeline's full of people that are like, "Oh, this this Kyle Pitts guy seems talented." I'm like, "Oh, well, really? <laughs> Tell me more." Come on. All right. Anyway, rant oh. over. See, and and that's the good part about being in the position that we're in is because we we have. We want people to come and be a part of the draft nation, right? Like, you want people to come in and be a part of the deep draft analysis that that we have. And at the same time, there's going to be names that they've never heard of on draft day that we're going to be like, oh, yeah, I've loved that guy since November. Like, that's been a guy that we've really been tabbed. But KT came up with a great idea in our group message, and we want to give love to the guys 
who haven't necessarily gotten that same kind of love. Not necessarily a day three pick. We're not necessarily talking about guys that are that are lower tier players like these sleepers, these pet cats. We're talking about guys who are really, really good players, but maybe don't get the pub as we talk about maybe a Kyle Pitts or any of the guys that are on the draft magazine that you can also get on DallasCowboys.com plug. Uh, but any of those guys that you may not hear us talk about a ton, but we definitely deserve to talk about. So, KT, I know you've got a name uh, already lined up or a couple names already lined up. How about you start us off? Tell me about a guy that's been under the radar in terms of talking about them, but is definitely not under the radar in terms of the talent that he brings. Yeah, no, no, I've got a few names. Now, look, I think some of these guys uh, might even be household names, uh, or at least to those who follow the draft quite closely. And I, I know that we don't talk about running backs uh, a ton, especially when you know the Cowboys are kind of set at running back, but we do cover the entire draft show at the draft show as well. And, like, I know um, Javante Williams from North Carolina is awesome and some of the most fun tape I've ever watched. And you just don't hear people talking about him much unless you get into a deep, you know, running back discussion. And I just think Javante Williams from uh, North Carolina needs to be talked about more because that guy's awesome. And uh, I know my, part of it might be because he's Michael Carter, uh, you know, his buddy at North Carolina is getting some shine too, and he's a heck of a runner in his own right. But I just think Javante Williams is special, and I'm not sure people are talking about him like that. Uh, would you guys agree at all? You know, here, here's the funny thing. Um, having gone to North Carolina and watched all their games this year, it's remarkable that this was a guy that was more of a walk-on candidate. Uh, he was a guy that played linebacker primarily in high school. He was valedictorian. He had offers from the likes of Harvard and Yale, and yet he ends up at North Carolina, and he becomes this beast. And so when you look at him and Michael Carter, Javante Williams puts the ball in the paint. And to me, he's the quintessential prototypical number one running back that can run it. He can do it inside and outside. He has burst. He can go with power or finesse. And he can catch the ball out the backfield. I think his best game is at the next level because I think he is an NFL running back when you look at him. That raises an interesting question, and I love the concept of this. Is like we're we're definitely not talking about sleepers. No, like we're talking. I mean, he's going to be the first or yeah. second running back drafted, but. Najee Harris is a much more well-known name, and I'm I'm curious how y'all compare those two because I think any you know anybody that follows college football or the draft knows about Najee and maybe not Williams. So I'm just curious. It's interesting because I think you start with running backs now, and as as we've gone down this path over the past few years of. I mean, I think devaluing the running backs a little too harsh, but maybe when it does come to draft inventory, I feel like you don't see uh, the Cowboys maybe one of the last teams to draft a running back in the top five. Like, you may not see this a ton moving forward. I was kind of thinking the other day, I was asking myself, are we talking about, like, if I had to do the prop bet thing, are we talking about one and over under one and a half running backs drafted in the first round? Is that probably the number? But yeah. running backs, I think, are an excellent pick in the first round for those teams who are close and have a good roster and are picking on the back end of the first round. I mean, we saw it last year. Kansas City took Clyde, sure, uh, Edwards Hilaire of LSU, and unfortunately he got hurt. But you know, I was I was like kind of shocked to see a team like Green Bay when they signed Aaron Jones and they were picking at thirty. I was like, you kind of just pop another running back right there. Uh, not that Aaron Jones, you know, you, you pay your guys who you think are good players, but I thought that was really interesting that we might be looking at a draft with. 
maybe just one running back taken in the first round this year. Maybe two, depending on uh, who has ATN as well. And I just kind of think Javante Williams deserves to be in that discussion with Harrison ATN personally. You know, KT, it's funny because I think when you talk to people inside, they, they believe Javante Williams is not only in that discussion, but there's some that believe he is number one in that discussion. Yeah. And so it wouldn't be a surprise if he does come off the board before Najee Harris and Etienne. I think the thing about Najee Harris, I actually feel like even though Najee Harris is talked about, I feel like his game is underappreciated because in most in most times, or maybe in old school football, when you see someone of his size who can run with power, who also can go outside and catch the ball, we were talking about him like we used to rave about Le'Veon Bell in his prime. Because I see Najee Harris not as a Le'Veon Bell player in terms stylistically. He's more like Matt Forte. But you're still talking about an RB1 wide receiver too. Someone who can maybe put up twelve to 1,300 rushing yards and also give you 75 to 80 catches if you want to utilize him in that, in that light. Now, Bucky, do you think that's kind of a direct correspondent with how the running back position is going in today's NFL? Because he's a hell of a player. I mean, you look at any college football game and any time that he was on the field, he was dominant. I mean, he goes out and he's just a physical freak. Like you said, his versatility as a receiver, along with being a tailback, is something that teams are going to value whenever he gets to the NFL. But is it just because of the running back position, maybe the shelf life, maybe things like that in the way that the NFL game is going that kind of devalues the way that we talk about Najee Harris from a, a draft standpoint? Well, I think I think the drumbeat has gotten loud on the outside. Like mm. when you have, uh, what do they call them, the nerds or the quants talking about, uh, the analytics will say that, hey, you can get a, a running back anywhere. I believe it's, it's really this. Um, it depends how you want to build your team. Because I would say it's better to draft a running back in the first round, but never pay him after that original rookie deal. Meaning, draft him, sign him on franchise tags, and extend it that way because that's the most cost-effective model. The other thing people are doing is because they've seen the Shanahan's have success kind of finding running backs anywhere and everywhere, that they, there's a belief that you can find those guys anywhere and everywhere. The true sweet spot with running backs the second and third round. If you look at the majority of the Pro Bowl players, they've come from the second and third round when it comes to the running back position. You know, another player that I have in this boat of, um, you know, guys that I think deserve to get a little more pub nationally. You know, I think we we've seen him as a good player. This will kind of get Cowboys fans involved because they uh, you know, need a cornerback. But Eric Stokes of Georgia. Mm-hmm. I really like Eric Stokes of Georgia. You know, only 16 receptions allowed last year. And the longest pass he gave up was 18 yards. And I know part of maybe – this might be kind of the Javante Williams thing in that he's got a teammate who's going to get drafted at the same position in Tyson Campbell. But I think Eric Stokes needs to be talked about a lot more because I really don't think he makes it to 44 where the Cowboys pick in the second round. I love that thought process because that's on like when you told me this idea. That's and I'll get to a guy that I want to talk about in a sec. But you know, you you just kind of get sidetracked um, in the conversation. I mean, and and rightfully so with all these great cornerbacks that are available to you at the top of the draft. But I wonder if sometimes we get tunnel vision with the idea like locking in on that 10th pick and it's like I mean you're picking in the top 50 in the second round like they're going to be really, really good, good prospects available and a, a few corner I mean I've brought up 
Tyson Campbell on, you know, with Bucky and Brian more times than I can count, so I won't do it here. But both, <laughs> both of those guys, honestly, underrated players, multi-year starters in the SEC. And, yeah, I, I think that's, that's the only worry there is he might be so good that he doesn't even last to you in the second round. Well, and that's kind of interesting, too, because we talk about guys like Elijah Molden, Greg Newsom, Tyson Campbell, and we kind of mention those mm-hmm. names on in multiple times. But Stokes is one of the guys that kind of gets left out. So, KT, whenever you're talking about Stokes, what's different about him to where Cowboys fans, if he were to be a pick at 44, what would get you excited about it? I have him as my fifth-rated corner, but I want to hear what you have to say about what he brings that's a little bit different than maybe some of the guys we have mentioned. No, no, absolutely. And I, I think, first of all, his speed stands out. We didn't need to see his pro day time to know that he's fast. True. He's a very fast player. I think with him, you you, you do – he might be a, a little uh, – and I, I think slight maybe a uh, maybe too negative of a word – but you would like him maybe to get off blocks a little bit better on the outside and, and things like that. Like I don't think he is a, a bad tackler. I think he tries, but I wouldn't you know call him a good tackler either. And that's very important to me when building a team is you know tackling, getting the guy to the ground. But I think he just does a really good job of anticipating routes and things like that. We know the straight line speed is there. I think he showed that he's able to fight through traffic when he's carrying a man across the field. And again, the Tyson Campbell traits do jump out. And you go, whoa, I see it. And, uh, but I think Eric Stokes is a little better, more polished corner right now. And maybe even a safer pick if you want to say that. I, I think Eric Stokes looks very uh, qualified and prepared and does a good job of playing the ball down the field and things like that and finding the ball. And I, I really you know, kind of value that. And, you know, again, it's not, not like he's a – like we're talking about this guy, not like he's a sleeper or anything because – and I think we're talking about 10 cornerbacks that go in the top 60. I think that's very possible. Yeah. And I think he deserves to be one of those first few guys. I think I mean I've, I've got him as cornerback 4. So um you know this is this is where it kind of gets a lot of fun. I have admittedly dropped Farley because of the back thing, but you know, I think Eric Stokes, I feel like he's kind of flying under the radar a tad because like you said we're talking about Molden. We talk about him all the time. Um Aaron Robinson might be another guy from Central Florida that maybe is kind of getting glossed over a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think it's funny when we look at these cornerbacks, right? Um, uh, the depth in, in this year's class, to me, wide receiver, running backs, and cornerbacks. I believe that if you need those guys, that you could bypass those positions in the first round and get comparable value in the second and third rounds. And a lot of it, as it relates to the Cowboys, you know, we've kind of been pigeonholed into thinking that they have to take a corner at 10. But really, when we think about this system that Dan Quinn is bringing in, it's a cover three system. It's really a zone system with some man stuff or whatever. So how much value do they put in that position in terms of draft capital? Can you find someone who is long-ranging with ball skills in the second and third round that can man that? And maybe you use that 10th that pick to get a pass rusher, to get a, a playmaker uh, on offense, an offensive lineman or whatever that is. I do wonder internally how it stacks in the war room, the priority positions. Yeah, and we've kind of, I mean, that's been the debate that we've had, I think, around this show and around the building is, is it okay to be pigeonholed for a corner at 10? Is it okay for that? But, I mean, I don't think it's okay to be pigeonholed anywhere whenever it comes to the draft, especially with a premium pick. Yeah, but, I mean, you just are always looking at where the value lines up, and that's, that's, I want to bring this guy up because, you know, we talk about DBs, we talk about... 
uh, tackles, tight ends. And I think I don't want to speak for everybody. I've, I've talked about this on Twitter a lot. Like, is there is there a pass rusher at ten that you mm. would feel great about the Cowboys drafting? No, I don't. No. Think, so yeah, Bucky, mm. do you agree? No, I don't. I don't think there's one worthy of being a top ten selection. No. So okay, and I so we're all in agreement there. So now I'm thinking. Where might you be able to find one? And that's where this guy comes back into play. He's definitely, like, he's a known name. And I feel like this happens every year. We zero in on the Senior Bowl guys. We get really excited about the Senior Bowl guys. But the vast majority of the best prospects are not seniors. They're underclassmen. So we get distracted by all of these other great underclassmen players. And the Senior Bowl guys kind of fall by the wayside. And that's how I'm feeling about Carlos Basham right now. <laughs> um, because he, I thought He's he was, one of the first names we mentioned I, on no, the show. He was, he was in the first group of players that we mentioned, but have we talked about him a lot ever since? Probably not, no. He, he bullied Trey Smith at the Senior Bowl. Like I thought he looked really good in the practice footage mm-hmm. that I was able to watch from my couch. I didn't get to go to Mobile this year. And then <laughs> he shows up at his pro day. And I know you can't completely trust these times and things at pro days because it's not electronic. But like an unofficial four five nine in the forty had a nice three cone, thirty four inch vert. Like I feel like the the book on this guy was that he's like a try hard guy, but not a super good athlete. I mm. uh, the numbers Those are athletic. The numbers <laughs> seem to disagree with that. So now I'm sitting here thinking like, could this be a really nice pick to make it forty four if he even lasts that long? You know, the the funny thing is I can't really understand why Boogie Basham has not been talked about more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the conversations that I've had with people like, and for whatever reason, the love on the streets hasn't been out there um, as heavy as you would like to think. Because last year when I looked at him, when I thought he was coming out, I thought the dude was like one of the best that I've seen in terms of his hand skills and being able to make it happen, turning speed into power. Um, and then when you think about the versatility, the twitch, the fact that he not only is explosive with Twitch, but also is a high motor guy, there's a lot to like about him. And so I can't understand why he is underrated and not really discussed as one of the top guys. Because all the things that you look at, you just check off all the boxes. He would, he should be someone that we talk about as a first-round prospect, but we're not. I, I agree. And that, that's another name. Like I'm just, That's why I wanted to do this exercise. Because, I mean, he's a guy... I think if you're uh, picking at 44 where the Cowboys are, he's a guy you might circle and go, you know what, let's let's spend some inventory and let's move up. Because yeah. he's not getting to you at 44. I, I don't I don't see that happening. Uh, I would be I would be shocked if that happened. And that's where I kind of go, okay, well how far does he fall? Do you want to get up to the mid 30s? And that would uh, you know that would cost you a little bit. That might cost you your third round pick. Uh, or maybe cost you your your second third round pick at pick ninety nine. You kind of jump those together. Maybe you can get up into the thirties and maybe he's there. So that, that's a that's a name. I'm glad you brought up, Dave. That's see, this is a success story. The segment <laughs> idea is a success story. No, I like this because you're just you know, sitting around you, talking about guys. KT, you're, all your ideas are good. Yeah, or most of them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> ah, thank you. Now, uh, yeah, th- you should uh, you should tell my family that they don't uh, oh, t- totally believe that. But oh, yes, goodness thank you. gracious. Uh, it dark, didn't it? Now, yeah, it did. Uh, Kind of going off of Boogie Basham and, and kind of that edge rusher thought, thought mentality. I mean, we've talked a, a lot about corners and we've talked a lot about offensive tackles at, at, in the first round and then maybe trying to address it later on. But edge rusher hasn't been up there. 
But we, we've also, I don't know if it was on this show or if it was on any of the other shows that I do, whatever it is, but we've talked about, are we sold on Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory? Because after that, there's not a whole lot. Which, there's I, not a lot of depth there. There's not. Ironically, like, the next best thing behind those two is Carlos Basham's cousin. Yeah, just Terrell signed Basham. Terrell Basham. So, yeah. hey, maybe maybe we could have a family mm-hmm. reunion. Yeah, well, and, and there's the addition of Basham. I know Brent Urban might come in and play a little bit of edge, but ultimately you would like him as maybe your nose or your three technique. I mean, either, either way, you kind of want him in the middle of the line, but he's your Tyrone Crawford. Yeah. He's somebody who could bounce back and forth and maybe play a little bit of edge for you. However, I, I mean, outside of Randy Gregory and outside of uh, Demarcus Lawrence, it's what, Bradley and I and Terrell Basham right now? Yeah, no, I feel great about Tank and Randy. Sure. But After I, that, no, no. It's not great. And, you know, obviously... Dorrance Armstrong. Yeah. Thing, things have changed. I mean, you know, I, I expect Randy to be available, but the fact of the matter is I don't believe he's ever played 16 games in his mm. career. Uh, so... Mm-mm. Love, love Randy, and I, I think his his arrow is pointing up. But it, it's something you need to think about. That you know, I feel like people fall into the, this trap of thinking that he's an All Pro, and as great as he looked at times last year, I don't think he's there yet. And then I think Tank is way underrated. I think he catches a little bit too much flack from people. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's had plenty of his own injury issues, whether it's shoulder, back. You name it. So I would absolutely love to beef up the depth there. Yeah. They've beefed up the depth on the defensive line, but just not a lot. Uh, or not as much as you would really like, and it's kind of been with moves that we've really anticipated, Bucky. Yeah, when it, when I think about Dan Quinn's defense, I'm really trying to figure out who fits what role because you have the Leo, who is the guy that is the active he can be the undersized guy, which is more probably like Randy Gregory, but you need to have another another guy that can play that role because I don't think you can put all of your eggs in the Randy Gregory basket. Exactly. And so Basham, you know, Basham coming over for the Jets, he's a high motor guy, but he's never put up big numbers in when it comes to sack production. So I believe somewhere in the draft they have to find another guy who can play that role as the designated pass rusher. And so whether it's um, Chris Rump, from Duke or a guy like Patrick Jones from Pittsburgh, there has to be someone that if they can't get a person early in the first round or the second round, it has to be someone that you can target in the third round that can give them some pass rush ability and maybe outplay their draft status Mm. because they're playing in a role that is just catered to the skills that they have developed right now. I'm glad you brought up Chris Rump, Bucky, (laughs) because that's a fun watch right there too, just flying around the end. And sometimes he can, doesn't take much to push him down, but he's very fun to watch. <laughs> but I, man, that guy's awesome. Um, his dad's a coach. I mean, he knows what he's doing. I, that, that's, I, I, that's a good player, man. Good situational pass rusher. I like that. Uh, no one talks those, about him either. Some of those Duke guys. I mean, there's a Duke tight end, Noah Gray, that I know is getting a lot of pub. And Bucky, you really liked yeah. him on, in the draft magazine. But I do want to talk about a tight end really quickly. And this, once again, might not be exactly what the Cowboys fans are looking for right now. But there was storylines this past week about Brevin Jordan from Miami. And he brought up the storyline was the fact that at his pro day, which was a decent pro day, came out and said, the Cowboys are in love with me. They love me. Talking about how infatuated (laughs) the Dallas Cowboys are, which kind of threw me and Dave for a loop. We were sitting upstairs and we just kind of looked at each other and like, wait, hold up. Do we need to look at tight end a little bit more here? That's my question to you guys. 
do we need to look at tight end a little bit more here out of these maybe undersung prospects that we didn't necessarily talk about previously? I will be 100%. This kid's a marketing uh, genius. <laughs> I'll, I'll be 100% honest with you. Like, Please. The, the depth of my, like, I've been so fixated on Kyle Pitts that that's about where my tight end same. investigation stops. And I don't, wait, so at the same time, I think two things. Like, tight end is a position, teams love to draft tight ends mm-hmm. because, like, they can play special teams, they can block Do a lot of things. Guys, like, John McKeon last John, year played a lot of time. McCune. Made, McCune made the roster as an undrafted free agent because of how versatile and valuable he is. So with 10 picks... I could absolutely see them drafting a guy. I just wonder, unless it's Kyle Pitts, which we don't have to do that right now, but <laughs> I just wonder how, how much bang for your buck you're really getting. Spend, you know, If you want to draft a guy like in the sixth or seventh round just to make the team, whatever. But I think Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz is a pretty damn good duo. Agreed. And, I, you know, Sean McCune, we haven't seen much of him, but he was good enough to make the team as a rookie. I don't see why he can't be your third. I would rather just add a cheap resource to the back end of that. Unless I would rather either like buy the Lamborghini, like Kyle it, Pitts. just go whole hog and do it right, yeah. or just worry about it later. That's kind of where I am. I don't know yeah. about y'all. All right, so so here here's my thing, and I don't want to be negative, Nancy Day, but I please am. do Don't it. put on my Nancy. That you're guy. always come on, buddy. Okay, you so, got it. So so so. The thing with Cal Pitts, which I I like, right? Like, I like Cal Pitts. I think he's a unique weapon and an offensive playmaker and those things. However, when we've talked about these type guys being drafted early, more times than not, they've not been what we expected. So if we go into top ten, we think about T.J. Hawkinson wasn't in this category, but T.J. Hawkinson at eight, we haven't got return on that investment if you're the Detroit Lions. You go all the way back to Eric Ebron coming out of North Carolina. He was expected to be one of these guys, a jumbo wide receiver, to make an impact. It hasn't happened. When you look at the all-pro players or the Pro Bowl players at the position, George Kittle was a fifth-round pick. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey, if I'm not mistaken, was a fifth-round pick. Darren Waller was a sixth-round pick that was a wide receiver in college. So maybe, just maybe, we should investigate the lower-round guys because it appears that those are the guys that are really making it happen as opposed to the guys that we are falling in love with at the top of the board. That That is the yeah, one thing. Sorry, sorry, KT, I'll let you it, real quick. No, I go, just, go, Dave. This is you. This, it is, that's the one thing that scares me about Kyle Pitts. I mean, the track record's not great. But you always say, don't scout the helmet. And I like, can't scout the I position. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's Kyle Pitts' fault that some of those guys haven't worked out. But I don't, what do you think, KT? <laughs> Oh uh, no! I, I mean, I look. I think at ten, I'm not interested in getting cute. I put a board together. I have a best player. I take that best player at ten. Um, now down the road, though, uh, Bucky's right to extend. Well, first of all, let me get this out of the way on Brevin Jordan, marketing genius. All of these kids should say <laughs> the Cowboys are in love with them. They could have no contact with the Cowboys whatsoever. Yes. Of course, the world's most valued franchise. <laughs> yeah, they love me. Yes, smart. I like that makes him a good candidate. I have Brevin Jordan as tight end four for me, and I really like Brevin Jordan. I, I really like the Notre Dame kid, Tommy Tremble. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he is like a better Joseph Deguara from Cincinnati, and mm, I know that's probably wow. not a household name, but Deguara caught everyone's attention last year. Hey, can use him. I just think he's better than him too, and, and you know. 
I don't know how to say his last name, but the Penn State kid, Pat. Oh, uh, Fryermuth? Yeah, Fryermuth. Uh, it's just a hard name to say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, 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 yeah, you're right, Dave. I don't want to do the Pitts thing here. That, that'd be what, I don't want to do the Pitts thing here. You're right. But I'd still go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off. Because I'm just looking at my personal rankings, and not, God knows what the Cowboys are going to have. Uh, but I, do I have Pitts graded higher than Sertan? I do. I have Pitts graded higher than Sewell. I do. I have Pitts graded higher than Slater. I do. And that's where it kind of goes, you know what, I probably got to do it, right? But that's the whole thing. Like, at 10, I don't want you guys, like, overthinking it. Just, Just here's what it. we got. Let's do it. We're doing it. We're all in. But you know what's going to happen in Cowboys country if we start talking about day two tight ends? The words Gavin Escobar is going to get thrown out there. <laughs> it's just, it's going to happen. I've heard this, that name in this a poor long kid time. Right. Wearing that. So, so if the Cowboys um, did a day two tight end, like that poor kid doesn't have a chance because the fans are just going to call him Gavin Escobar. Poor guy. I was- I will say this. I think a lot of it depends on if the Cowboys go back into the tight end pool. A lot of it, to me, will tell me if Mike McCarthy is taking maybe a, a, a bigger interest in the offense. If you go back and look at what he did in Green Bay, he was big on always having two tight ends on the field. And those tight ends were not necessarily traditional tight ends. They were the jumbo wide receiver types because they would go empty formation and make you show your hand to make the game easy for the quarterback. <laughs> and I'm not saying that now because they paid Dak Prescott that they're going to justify paying him big money, but we've talked about it. We've talked about the strength of the team is the offense. And we can talk about, oh, we got to improve the defense. But the one thing I know, if you put points on the field, you make opponents one-dimensional on offense because now they're chasing points. And so if they go all in on this offensive approach, I do believe adding another tight end is sensible because you want to have the ability to dictate the terms a variety of ways. Let's go 11 personnel. Let's go 12 personnel. Hey, let's take all the running backs off the field. Let's go two tight ends, three wide outs. Let's see how they react to it. How creative do they want to get with the offense? I think a lot of it depends on how Mike McCarthy views this team and how he views the best course of action when it comes to winning a bunch of games. It's one of Dave's favorite things to hear is, is 12 personnel. Uh, you know what? 12 personnel used to really piss me off. Yeah, I know. But that's, why I, that's why I said it. It, may, like, it, uh, it bothers me a lot less <laughs> now that I think the Cowboys have two decent pass-catching tight, tight ends. Okay, that's and fair. That's a good we, point. I don't, I don't even want to say his name again, but if they draft that guy, I'll like it even more. I is, promise Is you. it the guy out of Florida? Yeah, uh, that's the, the one. Okay. Just wanted to that's make sure. The one. Uh, that's interesting. By the way, Bucky earlier when he was like, yeah, he's a good player. Like, he's, he's, he's good. I like him. That was like probably the worst I've heard anybody ever talk about Kyle Pitts. Because usually it's like, this guy's a well, freak. So, like, this guy's unbelievable. And Bucky was just I like, mean, he's, 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 a, he's a freak athlete. But what I believe <laughs> most people, most play callers, don't know how to utilize the tight end. So we can talk about him being a great athlete or whatever, and, and there's been the conversation where, hey, maybe he's a Julio Jones, Megatron type that you put out wide and he plays X and those things. Most guys don't have the capacity to find or create a playbook or a game plan that really maximizes the tight end. And so the, I think this is where we got to scout the play caller. Mm-hmm. Does your play caller have a track record of being able to get the tight end loose? Because if he doesn't, then Kyle Pitts is a wasted draft pick because you don't maximize who he is. We talked about Noah Fant. Noah Fant goes to Denver, and he's all right. 
Yeah. You know, like so <laughs> I just want him if he's going if he's going to be what we say he is, I just would like to see him go to a place that can utilize him and elevate him the way that his talents would suggest that he should be elevated. Another show, another draft show dominated by Kyle Pitts, which is going to happen, I think, up until the, the feel, month of the draft. I feel guilty, but at the same time, I don't. We have to. You have to over overturn every rock you potentially can. We're going to overturn all of our rocks and go and try and take a break. When we come back, we've got Twitter on the 20. We're a little bit late. We're sorry about that, but we're going to get to your questions. When we come back here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay, let's play. Ah, uh, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Hey, Cowboys fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience AT&T Stadium's exclusive VIP Owners Club. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola. The official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com. There's nothing as unique as our eyes which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Back here for the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. want to remind you, if Chris could pull up my little solo cam here, that... Starting this week, you can get the Dallas Cowboys Star Magazine Draft Guide, a fresh new cover, and lots of potential picks. you got Patrick Sertan. I'm playing like a weatherman here backwards on the screen. Kayla Farley, who may not be as likely. Micah Parsons, Rashawn Slater. Lots of guys on the cover. We've got 88 draft profiles. We even have Bucky Brooks pick his pet cat at every single position. It's a lot of information. Dave right. Hellman did a mock draft. And it, it, that, it really has that'll been. Age, that'll age well, I'm sure. I, I'm, I think it's pretty good. You and I were talking about it the other day. I was like, well, this looks like it's 100% accurate all the way through. All 30, 32 picks I thought were as accurate as can be. So go check it out, DallasCowboys.com. I don't know if it's on sale at this very moment. But coming up, they will definitely be on sale. So while we get a chance to hit the sounder, let's go into Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. Chris Beam, as always, doing fantastic work in the back. So first question here, this is kind of intriguing to me, and I know it will be intriguing to David Hellman as well. 
This comes from Nolan Henderson. He said, if the Cowboys like the idea of bringing in Keanu Neal to play a little weak side linebacker and some strong safety and base packages, why not target a guy like Jeremiah Owusu Koromora from Notre Dame in this draft? He was made in a lab for that type of work, and Neal is only on that one-year contract. There's all every year, every year there's a guy that I absolutely love who just doesn't fit the Cowboys range, I guess. And I don't know. I go back and forth on that because I'm like, the guy's a great player and he can do a bunch of stuff for you. Draft him. Draft him. Yeah. Like, you know, people are always like, "Uh, I don't know about 10, but I'd do it at 16. And it's like, really? (laughs) That like six picks is enough to get you to swing that wildly? Which (laughs) we've said that on this show before too about Jeremiah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And I understand it to some degree, but I also I think he's a hell of a player. I agree. I agree with the question completely. You know, bring him like yeah, he could do, he could do what Keanu Neal is here to do. Absolutely, he could. Like he could play some will. He could play safety down in the box. I'm not saying you would do it a lot, but he's shown on tape that he can play in the slot and help you deal with you know receivers and tight ends that are flexed out. I th- and, and he just seems like one of those modern players to me where. You don't like he doesn't have a position and he doesn't need one. And I would probably draft him at ten. I don't. Wow. I don't think the Cowboys would, but I would consider it. I don't know. What about y'all? I mean, I think he's. I think he's a talented player. Um, I think the main thing is like the measurements. Like how big is he? Where do you really fit him? Uh, it's 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 a bit like the Jeremy Chin uh, Isaiah Simmons conversation. Um, when you talk to people in Arizona before that, where does he go? Because it's great to say that someone has this flexibility and versatility. They can play linebacker, they can play safety, but at the end of the day, where do they go for their position meetings? Because they have to major in something before they can minor in the other things. I think for Owusu Moore, is he a guy that can play in the box and be your linebacker in the style of defense that you want to play? I would say in Dallas, yes, because we saw them, we saw Dan Quinn take these light linebackers in Atlanta and have success. So I think he absolutely can do it. I think the fascination with Keanu Neal, they're trying to jumpstart the defense right now. You bring Kazee over, you bring in Keanu Neal over, you're trying to get guys on the field who don't require much learning, and we can get it and go. And I, so I think that is philosophy. So I don't know if they'll use the 10th pick on a guy, but he, he's fantastic. It would get somebody off the field. <laughs> while, while we're here, oh, yeah, interesting. No, while we're here, though, him or J.C. Horn, what do you do if, uh, let's say, your guy is Sertan and he's not there at 10, which I think could be very likely. I think that could happen. J.O.K. or Horn? Wow. Or, 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 or Parsons. Oh, wow. Gotta, uh. Give me another wrench. You got to gotta make the call. You can't trade back. What are you doing? I, I take Michael Parsons. Wow. I think I would take J.C. Horn. I think I'd take Horn. I think I would take Horn, too. But I'm surprised. Bucky, I want you to elaborate because I'm surprised you said Parsons there. Uh, I think Parsons is a much better player than all those guys. I think if you look at if we go back and really look at the tape and ignore all the stuff that kind of clouded the evaluation about, like, oh, their character concerns or whatever, when you turn on the tape, he's a dominant player. He's a top-five player. Um, If you think about the way – uh, Devin White dominates the game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in terms of being a pass-rushing inside linebacker. Michael Parsons can do all of that. The stuff that he put on display at his pro day, and I'm not a pro day guy, but someone 246 pounds running 4.39 um, with the stuff that he's put on tape as a pass rusher, as a guy who plays like a bull in a china shop, 
you sign me up for that. Mm-hmm. And going all the way back to what he was in high school, he was a defensive end with his hand in the dirt. And so when you think about creatively how you want to maximize how we can get after the quarterback, well, that guy can do it. And so I would take him. I think with J.C. Horn and the debate that I've had with J.C. Horn over past Sertan, J.C. Horn may be an extraordinary athlete, Passer 10 is a technician and a player. Sure. And depending upon where you put those guys, they're going to have different levels of success. And so at 10, I want to make sure that I don't swing and miss. I think it's less likely that I'm going to swing and miss on Michael Parsons based on his skill set and what is needed in Dallas. Interesting. You love it. That's interesting. KT, you got out of this this without offering your opinion. (laughs) Dang it. I was hoping I could skate through there. Uh, no, it is interesting, too, when you look at what the Cowboys situation is. You're obviously, you're drafting these guys for more than one year, but they don't have to pick up the fifth-year option on Leighton Vander Esch, who's proven that he can't stay healthy. Um, Jalen Smith, you can still get out of his contract next year. Like It's not like he's here forever. So, like, getting a linebacker that high, I'm not completely out on. I think I would probably uh, tend to lean towards Parsons as well. Um I mean, right there, you're talking about uh, – there's no doubt, and I love JOK, but there's no doubt you are taking a bit of a leap of faith that he can do what you want him to do or that you have an idea and that's going to work. With Parsons, there are numerous ways that he can work. Um, And I think that's the type of thing that that would really turn me on to him right there. And, again, I would – it's not what I want at 10, but – and I'm not huge on taking linebackers early. I'm a big fan of – of, of circling back and getting linebackers on day two or, or even early day three who can kind of run and play and things like that. But I uh, I think right there at 10, if everything dries up, no one calls t- uh, to, to move up to 10, I'm okay with taking Parsons right there. Nothing wrong with that. Bucky can I raise I, my hand? Oh. Yes, I, sir. I, I, wanna, I just want to have the, the don't draft a linebacker early discussion because I'm trying to figure out I was like, about to bring why that's a conversation. Because <laughs> I've heard – because I've, I've not, I've, I've heard it not only here, but I've heard it. So I've said I've, it. I would say this about, yeah, I'll say this about linebackers and those things. I think if we go and look, and look, the Pro Bowl is the Pro Bowl. But when you look at the elites at the position, I think those linebackers are either first or second rounders. Like Darius Leonard is a little bit of the outlier because he was 210, 214 pounds yeah. at South Carolina State. But when you look at that linebacker position, when you have one, they change the game. I look at, I mean, like we bring up White again. White has been every bit as good as we thought. And I'm going to say at LSU, I didn't know that he could get after the passer like that. But when you look at the Super Bowl, when they run, they hit people and they go down immediately. And it changes the game when you're playing coverage or whatever. Now, I will say this. If you take a linebacker in the first round and up high, they have to be able to impact the game not only as a run defender, they have to be able to do something in coverage. Yep. And if they can offer blitz ability, that is that. And so we didn't talk about this guy, but the Kentucky linebacker, Jamin Davis. Yeah. It's a name I keep we hearing. We need to talk about him. It's a name I keep hearing. We did it. He popped a 439. And look, I hate to talk about the pro they Goodness don't because it kind of changes the thing. But just look at the tape. He is an inside linebacker that is all over the place, and no one really talks about him. Like we talked about Bolton and Zach, uh, Xavier Collins and those guys. And so it sounds like he's going to be a second-round pick. But, wow, man, he runs fast. He makes plays in the SEC. I'll just – I bet uh, – Jamin Davis. I bet Jamin Davis goes top 20. 
because wow. it, there's like what's everyone sort of like watching this tape and stuff going oh holy cow wow there it is for some reason it feels like a lot of the the draft media community or whatever was watching Zayvon Collins first and Nick Bolton this is this feels very Vanderesh to me I mean no one was talking about Vanderesh top 20 back in 2017 Not until at all. we got down to it and it was like okay why is this happening uh, Dane always calls it an ascending prospect and I'm like yeah well you watch the tape and he's awesome so like I don't, I got I got no bones about that. I think Diamond Davis. We're talking about him in the top twenty, top twenty-five in in three weeks. I'll just say that, yeah, and Bucky. Um, we already we already did this argument a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. But I like I just I look at linebacker the way that you were talking about running back. Like I and hey, Devin White's amazing. If you're getting Devin White, draft sign me up. Draft Micah Parsons. But yeah. to your point. What like what makes Devin White valuable is that he's got freaky good coverability for a linebacker, and he had nine sacks last season. So if I'm drafting you in the top mm-hmm. ten, I need I need like you know six or more sacks to help me justify that. Whereas oh yeah, and but if you're not if you're not giving me that, I'm looking at the list of just some of the best linebackers. Mm-hmm. You know Darius Leonard wasn't a first round pick. Bobby Wagner second round pick. Fred Warner, third-round pick. Demario Davis, third-round pick. KJ Wright, who you can the find him. Cowboys are supposedly talking to, was pick ninety-nine. I just, you can find mm-hmm. guys that can run and hit all over the place. And unless, if Micah Parsons is that guy who gets you sacks and covers and tackles everything, I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. But I just, I think I'd rather take my chances drafting that guy on day two. Something okay, so, so what we're talking about it, and what, yeah, what what I'm what I'm trying to do in, in having the conversation, what I want us to do is to raise the standard in terms of what we're doing when we're issuing out grades. So, like the Michael Parsons and those guys that we're talking about, top ten. I want you to think about when we use the words top ten pick, that that is a special, that is like the holy grail. Like we don't issue that out. Like we may only give out three or four top ten grades when we're looking at a class. Yeah, and so. You're right. Devin White is special, and that's why those guys have to go because they check off all of those boxes. And so really in most draft classes, there are about 18 to 22 guys that are really first-round picks. Right. Like that's how rare it should be when we're talking about it. The bulk of the guys are second and third rounders that depending on where they go, they can elevate and play at a Pro Bowl level. But when we're putting that grade down, we should be really, really stingy about handing out those first-round grades because it's almost like going to a beauty pageant. You want them to not only be the, the, the prettiest person at the ball, but you want them to <laughs> win the talent competition, answer the big, hard question. You want them to be able to check off all the boxes. And so that is what it is because my other thing to this would be like when we talk about these wide receivers, is there really a big separation between that clump of Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle, and then separating and dividing, talking about Eli Moore, Rashad Bateman, and some of these other guys. Like, how big is that divide? Because if we don't feel like it's that big of a divide, we should always take our wide receivers in the second and third rounds. Yeah. Well, look at the divide from last year. I mean, the top three wide receivers were C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, and Jerry Judy. Who were some of the receivers that had the better year? Justin Jefferson, Chase Claypool. I mean, there are guys that are later in the draft that are going to close that gap initially. Now I know they're just rookies and there's a long career to be had, 
But at the same time, like you, I, I completely agree with you, Bucky, and, and that's where you have to make that decision whenever it comes to linebacker. How big is that gap? Is Micah Parsons, JOK, are they mm-hmm. that that much better than guys that are like Baron Browning and Nick Bolton and those guys that are kind of that second tier of linebacker. Yeah, it also depends on how you play them. So stylistically, like I think you guys brought up, uh, and it's interesting, uh, Dave, because you brought up a bunch of linebackers that play in this scheme. Yeah. So you brought up Fred Warner. This scheme is the Seattle Seahawks scheme. Uh, Bobby Wagner is the scheme. Uh, K.J. Wright was also in the scheme. scheme. I think Demario Davis was the only guy that was outside of it. So a lot of it is fit and scheme. And from a philosophical standpoint, how do you, what are the job requirements from the position? That really depends. And so without knowing the Cowboys front office as well, I think if you can flesh that out, then you begin to make more sense like, okay, no, this is a Cowboys pick. Because from a philosophical standpoint, the coaching staff and the front office are married. They want to play like this, so this is the pool that they're going to fish from. Yeah, yeah, I will say, Kyle, do we need to do? Okay. No, it's, sorry, KT. Uh, no, yeah, yeah we probably do need to go to break. We do, we? but go ahead and say what you're going to say. No, you, it's a good change, but it is funny. Like you know, when when the old coaching staff was here, we really had this thing pretty nailed. Yeah. Like we, like it was like a just following along with a, a map, you know? Yeah, you had you had the, the crumb trail yeah, that you just followed all the way through. It had <laughs> partially partially because of COVID, partially because it's an all new coaching staff, like it just hasn't been as easy. Which like I said, it's a nice change, but I do kind of miss the days where like by this point in the draft cycle three years ago, we would have been we would have been like, Oh yeah, okay. It's Leighton Van Der Esch. It's Taco. Like so I, I kind of miss that, but not really. You See, know? I think it's more fun because think about last year, and nobody thought it would be C.D. Lamb. Now, that was also just because nobody thought he would fall that far. There was a chance he would fall, but mm. nobody anticipated it. But even I think what throws us off more this year is because they actually took him last year. Because there was a chance that even if he would have fallen to 17, the pick still would have been Caleb on chase on. Yeah. Instead, they went with C.D. Lamb, and then all of a sudden we were left guessing. Now, Let's go ahead and take our second break. When we come back, I'm going to kind of continue this conversation, but I also want to talk about being aggressive and maybe trading up. And I'll explain why when we come back on the other side of the break here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. 
It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. On to the final segment here of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. So glad you've all been along with us. David Hellman, Bucky Brooks, Kevin KT Turner. I'm Kyle Yeomans. And since we got into one whopping question on Twitter on the 20, I want to ask one more question. We're bad. We're bad. We're really at that. bad at it. We were really good the last couple weeks, actually, but we got we got through one question today thanks everybody for sending in your questions uh so doug brady asked this on twitter and it kind of made me perk up a little bit because i've been thinking about this recently with the pro day that patrick sertan had with the news of caleb farley if sertan is your guy if he is if the cowboys are dead set you're dead set on patrick sertan do we need to talk more seriously about maybe going up and getting him could you trade and this is from doug could you trade from 10 or maybe with pick 75 to try and get up to seven with Detroit and maybe try and pick Mr. Sertan at pick number seven. Is that a possibility, Bucky, you think? Man, uh, I know there's a possibility of him going there. Man, do we do we see him like that? And I like him. I'm a Pat Sertan fan. I'm mm-hmm. friends with his dad and everything. I don't know if I see him no. as one that I have to aggressively go up and get because when we talk about those corners like that, Jalen Ramsey should be like the bar. Like, is he going to come and when he steps on the field day one, he's going to be a Pat, You got this side. You got this side of the field by yourself, no help. We're going to worry everything about Diggs. And I just don't know if he's that kind of player. So, no, I wouldn't aggressively move up and, and, and make that move. So we're talking about if going up, you take 75, or maybe it was, you know, 99. I, I do think it hasn't been talked about enough, and obviously, still a lot of moving and shaking going to happen. Lord knows what Atlanta's going to do. Carolina can still go get aggressive and get a cornerback, but Carolina at eight is a team who could use a cornerback too. Yep. And I know we've been talking about them using the, the QB, but cornerback is somewhere they could do it too. And then, and then nine Denver. I mean, I know they signed Darby and Kyle Fuller. But Vic Fangio's their head coach. They still might get a little action going on uh, at cornerback mm-hmm. there in front of us. So, like, it's an interesting concept. I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Bucky said. Uh, I just – he's not that guy for me. Like, and it's no offense to anyone. It's just I'll sit at 10 and I'll still get a really good player. I don't feel like I need to give up inventory. I got, I got more work to do on defense later as well. If he was that guy, I'm okay with it. If I've got him circled, that is my guy. He, he won't be the number one guy on my board, most likely, when it's time to pick. Especially, I, 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 He might be, but I, I kind of doubt it. Keep in mind, too, that like trading in the top ten is a lot more expensive than trading anywhere else. I mean, you kind of set the terms of those deals. Like, yeah. I don't remember off the top of my head, but 
when the Bears moved up for Trubisky, it, they had to pay a fortune to move one spot. Like, they gave up a decent amount just to move up one spot to draft their guy. So it's a little more expensive. I hate – I despise – trading up any like every anybody yeah, that anywhere. listens to me knows i just i'm not a fan and then it's it's not a, I, I i don't i oh me and brian do this every year <laughs> brian's always trying to get me to get rid of my I, picks and i can't stand it but yeah no so you, but i'm a picks guy bucky it's a dartboard and i want as many throws i want as many throws as i can get but, all, but before you freak out before you freak out it's not a knock. Wow. It's not a knock on Patrick Sertan. I will be very. I will be very pleased if Patrick Sertan is the pick. Sure. I'm just mm-hmm. like y'all, though. I'm not. I'm not convinced that he's like that transcendent. Considering, okay, only only nine mm-hmm. teams pick in front of you, and we know half of them are going to pick quarterbacks. Like the first three picks are definitely quarterbacks. Then you know Trey Lance and Mac Jones, or you, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. There, there could be as many as five I, in front of you. Yeah, there could be I, as many I, as five, and I so you like Patrick Sertan, Micah Parsons, J.C. Yeah. Horn, throw in Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Why the hell not? Like, there's going to be a really great player there, and okay. I just, I'm not trying to get rid of picks just to move up a couple spots. No way. No, I, I get that. That makes sense. Um, I, I'm not a pick hoarder. I like players. I think you have to. Um, if you think about like what your dream scenario is, like you have a handful of players that you would like to get and you would move up to get, if they're within range, then I think you do it. Um, but I mean, look, it, as much as we say and we break it down, it is a coin flip at, in terms of a picking a player. They come in and they actually play up to expectation. And so, the more picks that you have, yes, I just typically like to expend those picks on blue chip players. So if I can get up to get what I perceive to be a blue chip player. I'm fine. Mm. I'm not. I'm not necessarily about like all those later round and oh, all those other things. Brian, I maybe I guess maybe yeah, all I'm, you maybe all learned that in Green Bay. Like Brian would rather pick twice in the top fifty and just call it a day, or like twice in the top thirty and call it a call day. Call it a day. Yeah, I I disagree, but that's absolutely. okay. Ab- yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because because in in my mind, like it's the top one hundred. If you're really doing it, if you really have balls. Your draft board should only have like 75 people up there. Like, because a lot of times we talk about like this guy and that guy, and A, he's going to play or whatever, but at the end of the day, you know he's not really going to be a player. So, like, just take the good players, put them on the board, stack them up as if we're doing the turkey ball, and like take those guys off. The rest of the guys are not going to be guys. Like, I hate to say it, but they're not. Like, the odds are against them being guys. So I would rather not – I don't want to say this because it sounds crazy. I don't want to really waste my time. I don't want to do all that. I want the good players. And then after the good players, I want to go play golf. That's fine because <laughs> I'm glad you said that because that's, that's, that, that's something that Brian taught me like five years ago or whatever or seven years ago. He's like, just don't, don't put the guys on your board. And I'm like, man, I got this document. And I just want to know on my board that I that I watched the guy on tape. He's like, no, just don't don't put him on your board if he's not good enough. And I'm like, yeah, but I did watch him. And when we do yeah. the draft on day three, I want to know. I want to like mark it off as we go. But uh, <laughs> that's the difference in me doing it the way uh, I'm doing it for a radio <laughs> show or whatever. And uh, yeah, no, no. NFL war room, you know. No, that 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 is that is it. And so 75 is being um, a little bit extreme. Uh, Bill Polian would tell you that 100. They always wanted. 100 or fewer on their board. Uh, most guys will tell you 125, and then those who are scared will say 150. Hmm. But 
You want to you want to skinny it down. Uh, I know you guys don't like this because you guys are in Texas, but you want it to look like the In and Out menu. Like I just want oh. hamburger, cheeseburger, fries, this and that. I don't want all that other. See, stuff. I would rather no. look, look like the Waterburger chick- menu. Chick Fil A, Bucky. So, so Waterburger. I just don't know Waterburger as much. You, no, Waterburger's got a vast like, yeah, menu. So you pull up to Waterburger and you're like, like whatever. I like, could get tacos. I could get a burger. I could get a chicken sandwich. I could you, get a. I could get a honey you, butter chicken. But biscuit. you can't be great. Oh, I but you can't be great with all those things. You can't be you can't be great with all those things. You have to major something like Waffle House. I want to go to Waffle House and get waffles and eggs. I don't want everything else uh, on the menu. No, Keep it skinny. Bucky. That's why you want the board to be skinny. <laughs> you want skinny. Four, you want four picks in the top 100. You want a chance to add four top oh. 100 players, not two. While while we're we're talking about it though, and we're putting these metaphors out there, you've always used this, and I've heard this from Jeff. I've heard this from Brian. But the dartboard. Yeah. I mean, you would rather have more throws at the dartboard. But what I think Bucky's trying to say. Would you rather have more dart throws at the dartboard, or would you rather take a huge step right up next to the dartboard and then throw? Yeah, because but uh, I get it. I mean, there's no, there's better ways of hitting. There. You make the bullseye bigger when you're picking higher. Yeah. But guess what? Even the surest things flop. Like this isn't a. It's true. This is not an exact uh, yeah. science. Okay, so here here's the other thing. So my thing is, I want top picks. And then I'm going to bring in a million undrafted free agents. Because if you go and you study the rosters, undrafted free agents are making it at a higher level than these later round picks. And so if I do a really good job of nailing the ones early, then I want as many undrafted free agents as I can find because I can bring those guys in. They cost me nothing. And if we have a great developmental program, we'll get some guys. As opposed to, A, just slinging it around the yard trying to get these late round picks. I will I just say. Make sure that I get some spicy ketchup, you know. And, and <laughs> absolutely. Just another reason Whataburger's better. I just. I. Oh my gosh. I. Oh man. I will so, say. So I, much work for me to do. No, get out of here, Bucky. <laughs> we'll show you. Don't worry. I You're just, from North Carolina. You're not even like a California loyalist. Like, it's it's not even like it's a. <laughs> It's a cross-country thing for you. Why? Why are you? Oh, why is your allegiance gosh. lying with the wrong team? Yeah, you would expect Bucky to be a cookout guy. Yeah, he could be totally a cookout guy. Oh no, 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 no! no. I'm from oh, there, like cookout. Gosh. No, like Krispy Kreme. Yes. Oh, okay. Like, okay, that's fair. In Bucky's defense, Dumping. sometimes we are a little too proud of Texas. Let's be honest. <laughs> hey, I'm not even from Texas, and I will lay it all on the line for Whataburger. I'm just saying. Uh, anyway, I, d- I just want to state for the record before we're, like, we're completely off the rails. Totally. But I don't think they'll make all ten picks. No, I don't think so But either. I just hope that they hold on to the big ones. Like, I don't want to get rid of any of the at least the first three four top 100 picks if you want to move 99 you're not gonna break my heart but at least hold on to the top three picks Hmm. well that'll be interesting to see if the cowboys think the same way as either david hellman or bucky brooks or kevin turner if whoever ends up siding it'll be fun one more thing bucky Oh no no! I was I was just saying like he's talking about the top four picks. I was like, look, if they close up shop and they get four in the top one hundred and they don't have anything on day three, like I would be okay with that. I would like to move up and target like four impact players as opposed to just accumulating stuff. And let's just think about like the Reggie Robinson pick, like coming in as a fourth rounder, and we he played one defensive snap right yep. last year, and 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 so like you want immediate impact, particularly where the team is now. You want guys that can come in and come right into the program and, and make a contribution. 
Gosh, that Reggie Robinson pick still hurts. It really does. It's Every not time. Over. I, I know, but it's it not hurts. Over. After after this past year, I it kind of hurt me a little bit. It's just let him play. I don't get it. Just I agree. I, I just let him do something. But he didn't have a he didn't have a preseason or a training no. camp. It's not. Hey, we don't any switch positions. We don't close the book on guys after one year. I like that, Dave. That makes me feel a lot better. There are better. no excuses, though. No excuses. No, no, that no makes no me feel like, a lot better. But that's gonna do it for us here on the draft show. Sorry, Chris Beam, for keeping you a little bit longer today. I know you've got a show coming up here in a little bit. But for Bucky Brooks, for Kevin KT Turner, for David Helm, and I'm Kyle Yeomans. Once again, we're shifting up the crew. It'll be completely different next week on the draft show. Tuesday, Thursday, I haven't looked at it yet. Don't ask me. I might throw it out on Twitter. But that's going to do it for us today. We'll see you next week on the draft show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?